Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Ashley Mowat. I'm Mike Atkins. I'm Brenton Williams. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Um, I'm really excited for today's episode. We have the gang from Dash 28 Live. Uh, and we're going to do kind of a little retrospective on uh, Dash 28, what they've done through all their live broadcasts during the call to arms, a little bit on some of the um, other sort of stuff that they've casted. And then also we're going to take a look uh, into what Dash 28 has planned for the future because there's a bunch of cool stuff coming up. So I'm really excited to have you guys on the show. Now, I know uh, we've had you guys on at various different times, but I always like to do just like a quick roundtable, kind of hear a little bit about your your guys' origin stories for our new listeners, you know, what you're sort of up to currently in the hobby. So, Ashley, why don't you go first, give us a little background into your gamer history, and then maybe what you and Brindley are up to right now hobby-wise? Yeah, sure. So, those that don't know me, I was one of the people... I was uh, dragged kicking and screaming a little bit into playing war games, but now I have fallen in love with it. Started playing Kings of War out in the Pacific Northwest region and will luckily be going back there in this fall. I've been living out in the Northeast for the last two years. Sadly, I am not one of those people that got to work less during quarantine and uh, do much with the hobby. So I have not been doing much hobby-wise. Um, mostly just doing the Dash 28 live streams um, as fit the, as I could fit them into my schedule. Um, like, I'd love to jump into a big project. I have, like, this great huge plan for an army. But um, I'm kind of planning for a move next month. So I can't really do my big plan yet. So hopefully down the line, I want to do, like, a full, like, Candyland, dark Candyland-themed army. So a very big project that i want to start soon so yeah that sounds great and i know like i'm i'm sorry that you're busy moving but yet on the inside i'm doing cartwheels because you're moving back towards my neck of the woods yeah so we won't be be separated by like an entire country anymore which i am really excited because you know uh miss seeing you guys well I don't miss seeing you guys right now because there's no events to miss seeing you at. But in the future, <laughs> like I'll, I, I will, will will no longer be missing you guys. And and just shout out to uh, Ashley. She she is a nurse, so she's been really like working in in the um, the trenches during all this crazy time. So thank you for all that you do and everything. So wow. uh, thank you, Jeremy. You're welcome. So next we have Mike. I know we've had you know. Uh, Mike Atkins, we've had you got you on the show before in our Abyssal review. That was really, um, really a great episode. Um, but why don't you give us same thing, a little background, and then also I know you're a fantastic painter. Maybe what you have you on your hobby table right now? Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, so I'm Mike. I live in Virginia, so I play in the Mid Atlantic region. Uh, if you ever come to tournaments uh, around there, you'll you'll probably bump into me. I also like visiting tournaments in our neighboring regions. Um, Shout out to, you know, Siege of Augusta, TNT, Crossroads, 
those those kind of events are fantastic. If you're if you're anywhere close enough to get to one of those events when they're when they're going on again, I highly recommend them. Yeah. So uh, hobby wise, uh, I've been playing I've been playing Kings of War for several years now. Uh, I moved back to the East Coast about three and a half years ago from from the West Coast, uh, and I think that's when I kind of started seriously playing playing Kings of War. Is just about the only war game that I play. Yeah. In terms of actual hobby work, I I kind of like cram painted a mostly new undead army in time for the U.S. Masters this past uh, February. Uh, and after I finished that, like I, I came home from the Masters like all pumped, like uh, like I think, or at least like I hope uh, a lot of people do. Uh, you know, you come home with the Masters and you, you've got like so much enthusiasm for the game and for the community and all that. And uh, my my tournament is usually a couple of months after uh, the masters. So, so I come home like full of like big TO energy, like ready to, ready to do all the planning and whatnot for, for my tournament, like make terrain and stuff like that. And so that's, that's what I was working on, uh, until it became clear that I wasn't going to be having an in-person event this year. Uh, and, and then I kind of sort of lost, uh, lost all motivation to work on stuff until I found, something else to channel all that energy into which is the thing that we're here to talk about so and i know recently mike you guys did vanguard which is your tournament you did it um digitally so how did how did that go what are your sort of thoughts and looking back on that yeah yeah that was actually just this past weekend so it went surprisingly well i think uh i sent around feedback surveys to all my players and i got back a, a good number of responses and a lot of really positive feedback on it I tried to, like I and Adam Ballard both um, tried to run our tournaments online the same under the same format or schedule that you would play an in-person GT instead of the sort of call to arms, long drawn out, like you have a week or more to play each of your rounds. Like it was very much a, you know, round starts at this time. We're playing five games this weekend all together, all at the same time uh, to see how it how it works. And um, you know, there, there were some hiccups, as there always are. Nothing ever runs perfectly smoothly, but they were the same sorts of hiccups that you would have experienced at an in-person GT. Like, I don't feel like the online part of it introduced too many more complications. Like, you know, there's always that, that one table that doesn't quite finish on time and everybody's kind of waiting on them. And when you go over and check on them, like they're playing on a clock, they have time. Something just happened to, to get them behind the other tables. You know, those sorts of things happen in person. When they happen in an online tournament, it could be because someone lost power and couldn't couldn't play for the first fifteen minutes, right? But but other than that, like it was it was pretty much the same sort of experience that you get at an in-person GT, or at least the the best that you could get without physically being in the same space. Like we we did a lot of stuff on Discord, um, so we did a lot of voice conferencing and some, and we did like a video conference hangout in the evening, and and everybody seems to pretty much enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to want to do that again in the future if playing an in-person tournament is an option. Like, like I think this sort of like compressed in-person GT schedule played online makes sense for like this this exact moment in time. But uh, like next year, if, if in-person events are happening, like yeah, I might run an online event, but I probably wouldn't try to do it uh, exactly the same way I I did this one. But it, it was fun and and it was a great. Uh, it was a great fill-in, right, for for not being able to see people in person. Like I still got to sit around and have a couple of drinks with uh, you know Mike Rossi and Alex Chavez and, and and those folks in in the evening after watching people play games all day. So you know it, it's 
it mostly scratched the itch, I would say. And actually, you and Brinley played in that, right? How, did you have fun playing in it? Um, Brinley played. Um, I actually had to work. That was my weekend to work because, oh, you know, bummer. for some reason we had Vanguard and Bug Eater on my work weekend because why do you do this to me? But Brinley had a fantastic time. He said that, like, it came close enough to being real life to, like, scratch that itch that he enjoyed himself, like, especially the hangout and everything. Um, and Mike sent out these amazing, like, tournament boxes, I guess, with, like different like snacks and like advil for your hangover and like whiskey from his local region so like it felt very very interesting ours didn't come till after the tournament but i felt very included as i got extra cookies from them so so i couldn't play it was very nice yeah you, you know i played in bug eater um which was super fun and i would say that like one of the things that worked for bug eater which sounds like worked for vanguard was everything was built around a discord server and on and on yeah. the Discord server, it had like table one, table two, the streams, <laughs> the stream zone for because they were just doing more informal, just Twitch live streaming the whole day. Yes, and people were coming and going from the chat. You know what I mean? Uh, but it seemed like having like a sort of Discord hub really helped create that sense of community during the event. I just say I even jumped in like um, I had to work like later on Sunday, and I like jumped in just to hear like everyone be super hungover in the morning, like. <laughs> before morning announcements right before their game started and it was quite fun to listen to yeah i would i would highly recommend if anyone tries to run an event like this to use discord or something like it for for both like the 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 the, the virtual place you know the you, where, where you get the sense of, of everyone's presence but also like logistics wise it, it, it was really simple because you didn't have to announce the pairings and then wait some amount of time for the players to get in touch with each other and set up a UV room. It's just, you're on table one. You scroll down Discord to, to the voice channel labeled table one. You click on it, and there's your opponent, and you just start talking, you know, just like at an in-person tournament where you, you just, you don't worry about finding your opponent. You just pick up your models, and you walk to your table, and you know that they're going to be there. Um, so, yeah, big big shout-out to Discord. Big, big two-thumbs-up recommendation for, for anyone trying to run an online event. Def, definitely make a Discord server just for it. Get everyone in there make a voice channel for every table, make a, make a voice channel for like announcements or like a virtual TO table kind of thing. Yeah. And just, just uh, use that for your announcements and your logistics and uh, you know, and, 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 and as a TO, like it's, it's easy to look out across your, your gaming hall and see pairs of people at all your tables and know that the games are happening, that everything is fine. Um, online, it's kind of hard to do that. But if you have that set up, like I could just eyeball, I could just look down the list of voice channels in discord. And if I see, two people in every channel and I can see that they're talking to each other and that I can just assume that everything is fine. And if, if, if there's a problem, somebody's going to come find me, but I get that nice warm and fuzzy, like, okay, everybody's playing, everything's proceeding. Like I, like I expect it to. Yeah. You know, I think it's like, um, a lot, I, I, I made the comparison where it's like, if a live tournament is like an artisanal oven bricked, excellent made pizza, these online events are like solid frozen pizza. <laughs> Which means it's like, you know, if I can't if I can't have the artisanal pizza, the frozen pizza is still pretty good and like scratches my pizza itch. So, mm-hmm. um, and then also too on the cast, I know and I know he enjoys a fine piece of pizza himself. Uh, we have Brenton Williams, who uh, I'm always happy to have him. You know, he's one of my West Region Chair uh, consigliaries, along with Rashad and Scott. So, I chat with Brenton all the time. Um, and many of you know him from Dash 28 articles, and I know he's got an RPG Kickstarter still in the works. So um, why don't you give us a little bit 
reintroduction for our new uh, listeners, Britton, and maybe what are you up to hobby-wise? Yeah, sure. It's funny you say people know me from my Dash 28 articles, because I've found the exact opposite to be true. And a really quick version of that is... <laughs> Uh, just before the lockdown in January, I took a business trip to England and I snuck a one-day Kings of War tournament in to the beginning of it. Just sort of showed up at a random Northern Kings event being held outside of Manchester. And I met a dude there uh, named Stort, who is from Scotland. Uh, we communicated beforehand because he was going to be you know, doing the same stuff I was. We were going to roll back in his car to Leeds along with Nick Williams. It was a whole plan thing. We spent the day hanging out. We spent the night, like we went and had dinner. We went to a bunch of pubs that are older than my country. Nick Williams showed us all around. It was good. We were chatting about everything. We talked about all this stuff. And then I go back to my hotel the next morning. Uh, midday, I get a Facebook message from Stort who says, wait a minute, now I recognize you. You wrote the Orc article that I read like five times while building my Orc article my orc army so it it literally we hung out for like 24 hours and zero recognition until he went back and like read an article so like so i don't know that anyone actually recognizes me from my articles based on that story but um they've been a lot of fun to do so what you're saying here is we need to put a picture of you on the top of every one of your articles like just your face blowing up I think, that's a, you. I think that's, that's an it. even that's... even worse idea if you've seen my face. Um, <laughs> I, I have a face for radio and a voice for print. So, but back to like gaming background. So, uh, I've been gaming, uh, role playing, and war games since I was a little kid. God, I think my first like game of Warhammer was with Rogue Trader or Warhammer Third Edition. So it's it's been a while. Uh, I play pretty much everything. Um, I do historicals, I do fantasy, sci-fi, modern, every everything in between, and do a bunch of role-playing games as well. As Jeremy sort of mentioned, I wrote and self-published a role-playing book that is its own sort of system agnostic game world that I am in pre-press on now, so should be available for purchase for people, I don't know, sometime in the next few months. I'm sure I will spam everyone about that when it's ready. Yeah, I, I just love miniatures, love miniature gaming, have a ton of it. Uh, I sort of joke I don't have a pile of shame. I have a garage of shame. Probably have thousands of painted miniatures and probably that many unpainted. Uh, I'm a little scared to count. And I'm also the GT for or the uh, TO for the Northern California GT, Bay of Kings, which is our sort of local GT that we throw, that we are still figuring out what to do with this year because it's in that really difficult splash zone of uh, late October where... Things probably won't be safe, um, but it's really hard to figure out what to do instead. So, yeah. Yeah. And I do remember, like you say, that I, I, uh, uh, one Facebook post comes to mind where you were talking with someone, I remember, and then they quoted like, hey, have you read this Dash 28 article yet? And you were like, have you read the byline yet? Because it's like your own article. <laughs> someone, someone did try and argue with me with my own article online, um, yeah. not realizing I wrote it. Uh, even though it's my bio and it's online. So there's no excuse. Like my name is there and the other name is there. I just, who knows? So I, I, I don't that. think anyone actually recognizes me from dash 28. I'll just have to keep writing more articles um, until, <laughs> until Jake stops whipping me. Yeah. Just more articles, more memes, you know, funnier, the better. So, well, cool. You know, I know Mike um, 
as Britton was just talking about, you guys have been doing Dash 28 a while, which is sort of like a, f- a fan website, lots of great content, lots of great articles. Talk a little bit about how did sort of the idea for a Dash 28 Live sort of come out of Dash 28? Was that an idea you had before lockdown? Did it come out kind of during lockdown with the Call to Arms tournament? Or talk a little bit about the origins of doing live streaming. I think I had had in the back of my mind that that question of is there a video component to dash 28 or would there ever be a video component that we could do that would make sense and i mostly blame the wordpress theme that i use because up in the top right corner of it there's there's a little built-in menu for like your your social networking channels and there's there's an icon for facebook that you're supposed to link to your facebook page and an icon for twitter that's supposed to link to your twitter account and there's a youtube icon that's supposed to point to your youtube channel uh, and, and when I was originally making the site, I was like, huh, I wonder if I'll ever have anything to put there. Right now, I'll just have it linked to YouTube. I don't know, whatever. No one's ever going to click it, right? But kind of kind of just from that, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe one day there will be some some video something that, that makes sense here. Yeah, like in terms of how this, this actually got started, uh, I, again, go back to like uh, the U.S. Masters. We all sat down. All of us that were at the U.S. Masters like sat down and had dinner and like actually talked in person for the first time ever because we'd been doing Dash 28 for a little over a year at that point. Um, and it was nice seeing everybody and talking to everybody. We come home from Masters, and I, I start working on my own my own tournament and uh, quickly realize that, like, I'm not going to be able to do that. And instead of getting really depressed about being in, in lockdown and not being able to run my event, I was like, okay, I need to pivot to something, right? I need to, I need to redirect this energy someplace. And I noticed that Call to Arms is going on, and I was like, okay, that sounds fun. I've never actually played on UB before, but this seems like a great motivator to install it and try it out. Like, why not? I'll go ahead and sign up for this tournament. Um, and I noticed that the the tournament itself, Call to Arms, had had gotten like over 100 signups at that point, and it was still growing. And, and it eventually topped out around like 146 or something like that. Um, and we have, you know, of course, we have our, our Dash 28 contributors uh, chat thread um, where we'd been trying to figure out like what are we what are we going to talk about during the lockdown because you know normally we have meta analysis articles based on on competitive events uh, and it was becoming clear that there weren't going to be any for us to talk about so so that was kind of the question up in the air of, of like if if no one is out playing the game like what are what are we going to say and so I I, I kind of just brought up the I went back and found the chat log to make sure I give everybody credit. And, and I don't claim that like I made the whole thing up, uh, but but I went back and found the the message that I sent, uh, and it was on April fifth, and I said the Call to Arms UB tournament starts today, and it has something like 120 people registered. I feel like given the size of the event and the current circumstances, it's significant enough to warrant some kind of coverage, but I'm not sure exactly what form that coverage should take. Um, a bunch of a universal battle screenshots, you know, battle report articles is fine, but I feel like there's there's already a lot of that sort of thing out there that people do, and maybe we could do something something different, something unique. Uh, what does everybody think? Um, and we got a f- couple of suggestions from a couple of people, uh, and then Ashley said, "Couldn't you do like a matches to watch sort of thing and highlight some interesting matches in in particular rounds, like?" either because of the people who are playing or the list they're playing or something like that. And then the next day I responded with matches to watch. Huh. If people streamed their matches, there could literally be matches to watch. Um, and, and, and actually applied like, yeah, matches can be watched. If people could give a heads up before their game starts, 
if you have UB, you could watch their game. Uh, and I said, yeah, if you wanted to be super fancy about it, we could stream their screen to some other platform. And, and then I just sort of, as, as a large said, hell, if you wanted to send it through StreamYard, you could add a couple of commentators and then send it to Facebook or YouTube for people to watch live. And so that's, that's kind of where it started. And I think that the next day, Alex Chavez uh, replied, uh, if there was a particular match that was highly anticipated, I wonder if we could have a couple people watch it and do live commentary. Um, his only caveat is that he would want to pick people who could play pretty fast because it would be ideal if the game was under two hours. <laughs> oh, oh, Alex. How oh, Alex. <laughs> How very naive of us. Such a, such a wonderful thing to wish for, but like that didn't happen. And so then the next day I, I, I wrote up a pitch. Like I, like I thought about it a little bit. And then I wrote up a pitch of like, okay, if, if we're going to be serious about this, we should be serious about how we're doing it and why we're doing it and what we hope to accomplish. Uh, so, so then I posted this to, to our chat thread. Uh, and I said, I thought about it some more, and I think I would like to try out live streaming some UB games with commentary, and here's why. Uh, our mission is to be a resource for the Kings of War community. And the feedback we get from the community kind of goes like this. Uh, a noob comes to us and says, what army should I play? Uh, and we say, well, here's a bunch of army review articles and some performance data of how they do at tournaments. And the noob says, okay, great. What's a good list for this army look like? And we say, okay, well, here's some articles about units uh, and, and ratings and list analyses from events and things like that. And the noob comes back and says, okay, uh, what do you do with them? And we say, okay, well, here's some, here's some tactics articles. Let's explain common tactics. And, and uh, there, there you go. And then the noob comes back and says, okay, but like specifically, no, really, really, what do you do with them? And I, f I feel like all the feedback that we get points to one general ask from the community of how do I play this game better than I do now? And we try to answer this question from a lot of angles. And in our campaign that we did, we even showed people specific examples of how to play. And I think we could do more of the showing people how to play. Uh, but I think the written format was too time consuming to be sustainable. So I think video might be a better medium for this. Uh, but Mike, I hear you say, you're talking about battle reports. There's already a bunch of people who do video battle reports. What are we going to offer that isn't just more of what's already out there? Uh, and I reply, good question, Strawman. Uh, yep, there are already lots of video, report, uh, video battle report channels, and they do an excellent job of being both entertaining and informative. Uh, but they are all kind of narrowly focused by design. You learn a lot about how the host of the channel plays and what armies they play and what armies their regular opponents play. What we can do differently is be a platform for a wider variety of players. We can stream for folks who are happy to do it once, but who would never bother setting up their own channel since they aren't interested in doing it over and over again. Uh, that way we can provide play examples of a wider variety of play styles, a wider variety of lists, armies, and tactics than you would see on a normal battle report channel, all in one consistent place. We can also pull in a variety of folks to provide live commentary on the games. We do it live, so it's an event, and it gives people something to do together while they are all on lockdown. I, I positioned it as a, you know, we could, this, this is an educational thing we can do to show more people a wider variety of how to play the game, and we can focus on, on the players more instead of the armies, and we could try to make it, you know, an, an event that, that the community could kind of rally around and, and come together to watch when there's nothing else going on. Yeah, you know, I really like what you said about... Um sometimes when you're as like a content creator or you're trying to you're, you're wanting to contribute you just don't want to make content for content's sake right 
you want to have some sort of vision or what's the niche or, or how does this work with, with the, what I'm already doing or how can I do this in like a professional and engaging way? And that does make sense. I had never really kind of conceptualized that, but the idea of like as dash 28 is being a hub for Kings of war as like taking you through all those steps, right? As like, here are the armies, here's sort of what they do. Here's possible builds. Here's some tactics. Now here's an actual like game live game being played with feedback, which I think feedback does work so much better in that sort of live stream environment. You know, battle reports are all well and good, but having that, being able to have that like live dialogue really adds something extra. So had you, had you been familiar with StreamYard before? Because that seems to be sort of the platform that a lot of people are going, people who have sort of taken what you guys have done and are starting to stream their own stuff or are, are using that platform. Had you, is that something, was that something new to you or were you aware of that or? So I had found that because uh, when when Google did away with Hangouts on Air, we lost our sort of easy go-to method for doing uh, first-round matchup live casts for GTs. So I had I had basically been looking for some way to do to do that for my tournament that was going to be in April. So you know, last uh, fall or sometime during the winter. I, I just started poking around. I was like, someone must have built a simple browser-based replacement for Hangouts on Air. Um, and that's basically what I searched for. And StreamYard was the thing I found that, that I looked at. And I was like, okay, good. It's all browser-based. That's what I want. I don't want people to have to install encoders. I don't have, there, there's a free version. I don't have to pay for like a dedicated video uh, in, encoding server, streaming server somewhere. Um, it looks lightweight. It looks like they focused on the things that, that I think are important, like the actual production bells and whistles, there's some in there, but mostly it's like make it dead stupid simple to set up and dead stupid simple for other people to join in on. That's that's the part that I think will be the trickiest part. They seem to be doing that well. Let me try this out. Uh, and I think I even went and posted in the in the Kings of War TO's Facebook group when I found it to be like, has, has anybody tried this, right? I asked like, has anybody tried this thing out for, for doing these yet? Has anybody found any other ways to do it? And I didn't really get any answers uh, back, which which led me to believe that like maybe TOs had just kind of given given that part of of, of the GT experience a miss. You know, I know some people had just said screw it, we're, we're going to record it like a podcast and post it, uh, you know, for for people to watch after. But we're not going to try to do it live anymore. Um, so yeah, so I had found Streamyard just in looking for that, and uh, and then realized like oh yeah, I could do the same thing here. I just you know I. I I literally have a little document that I put together to explain to people like how I wanted this to work or how I, how I envisioned it working and how I envisioned like the format for the, for the broadcast to be. And I just made a little diagram of uh, like people play on, people play on universal battle. I screen share universal battle to StreamYard. commentators connected to StreamYard, And then we stream the whole thing to like YouTube or someplace. So, so yeah, I didn't really have to have to look around. I, I kind of already had that in the back of my mind as a, as a thing that would probably work. Um, and I think the only thing I did was like pony up the money for an actual actual paid account so that I didn't have like their their default logo and branding that I couldn't get rid of or anything. But I did think that, that it was important to have a level of polish to the production, like right out of the gate to make it to make it feel like a real thing. Like if we if if we were gonna treat this thing like a like an esport, like if we were, if we were gonna take it seriously, like that was that was kind of the question. Like can you can you treat Kings of War like a sport or like an esport? Then then will will people want to watch it? Will that make people want to watch it more? So so I was kind of 
Like of, of, of all the open questions and all the things that are completely out of your control when you embark on a new experiment like this, like will, will anyone want to watch it? Will anyone want to let us stream their games or will they find it awkward and weird and inconvenient? Um, will anyone actually want to sit and watch them and talk about them and have interesting things to say that people will want to listen to? Like of all those questions, I was like, the, the thing I can control is like what the screen looks like, right? Like I can make sure there's graphics and I can make sure we got banners and overlays. And, and so like, it feels like some thought has been put into this and, and some, some amount of polish has been applied to the presentation. And like, you know, maybe if I, if I focus on that, um, then, then everybody else will kind of come along with it and, and feel like they're participating in something um, that's not just a couple of people having beers and, and uh, you know, heckling a couple of their friends playing a game of Kings of War, you know? And I would say that that's, from what I've heard and being both uh, having the privilege to have hosted a few and then also be an audience member watching them, is I really think that that polish and sort of treating it, treating it with humor, but also being... Um, treating it with respect as like a real game, you know, trying to envision it within that e-game, you know, e-game space sort of thing has been one of the reasons why I know a lot of people sort of during call to arms, that was their Sunday football game. You know, yeah. there was no football online so, or on TV. So they were watching whatever Dash 28 happened to be on that weekend. So I really feel that that effort for Polish definitely made it through you know, the final product. And I know like, as you guys uh, were putting together the videos, you had sort of lots of different kind of combinations of, of commentators signing up and hosts. But I know that Britton and Ashley sort of did definitely kind of come together as like a really good color play-by-play -play combo team. And I'm curious, Britton, like kind of going into uh, signing up to be a commentator, uh, had you like watched very many esports or were you into sort of live commenting games or were you trying to approach it as sort of like try to make it as professional as possible or what was sort of your mindset when you were starting to to cast these kings of war games i i have in the past watched a fair amount of esports um i sort of work in the video game industry and it's something i've always had to sort of track and look at from a work perspective and being sort of reasonably informed on industry trends. And then I've actually enjoyed watching a lot of sort of esports events. Um, and I've always been fascinated by sort of the the growth of uh, esports on the video game side, partially because it's sort of making nerds athletes. Um, and that's a, a really interesting sort of sociological like culture thing. But uh, moving on from that, so I've watched a fair amount of esports. I don't watch a lot of video battle reports. Um, and it's nothing against them. There's absolutely amazing, great content creators out there doing awesome stuff, and I hope they all keep doing it. It's hugely valuable for people. Um, I just find that either I am watching something with my wife, who has you know, rightfully zero interest in watching YouTube battle reports of Kings of War, or if I'm watching something on my own, it's why I'm painting or doing something else. And I have a lot of trouble keeping sort of single... Uh, commentator, you know, sort of home YouTube channels, battle reports on in the background while I'm doing something else. Um, it just, it, I always feel like either there's a bunch of dead airs, they're doing things that I'm not watching because I'm painting, or they're talking about stuff and I'm missing it because I'm not. It's, it's just like, I've never found it to be a, some people love it, but I always found it to be a bad experience for me. Um, so when we looked at doing this, the sort of, trade-off of doing multiple commentators, a lot less dead air, different voices, 
sort of the ability for different players or commentators to sort of speak about different aspects of the game while someone can still keep you up to date on what's happening in the game. I found it much, much, uh, I found it a style of sort of presenting these games that was much more appealing to me as a consumer. So I wanted to be involved in it. Like I wanted to try and help make that uh, different than what was already out there. I think you bring up a good point in that there has to be an element whenever you, uh, this is my opinion, whether or not it's, it's right or wrong. It's when you create things and are doing content, there has to be, for me, my guiding star is, is this something that I'm doing that I would like to consume as a consumer? And if, if the answer is no, I won't do it. So if I'm thinking about doing an episode on countercharge or do this, that, or the other, if it's not something that I would want to listen to, I just won't do it because I then won't feel that connection to it. And I think you lose, you then lose the authenticity of the moment in the creation. Like I know uh, one of the reasons why I, I like listening to both you guys is that that authentic, authenticity comes through of being where if you're into something on your own level, I think when you're creating content, it just that special sauce sort of comes through in the finished product. Well, like none of us are making money off of this unless unless mike atkinson's been fleecing us the whole time and secretly is is building a second mansion in virginia to (laughs) expand vanguard to to more players off dash 28 earnings like we're not we're doing this because we love the game and we want a creative outlet um and because of that it means that we sort of get the ability to be choosy about what we do and how we want to do it because it's really just about us loving it and wanting to create something sort of by us for our own community. And that's what guides a lot of the dash 28 initiatives are like, a, can we do it? And B, is it something we would appreciate if someone did? So let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. And I know Ashley, you have done some dash 20 articles and you're sort of like, like what was it like the fifth beetle? You're like the fifth unplugged radio. You've been on their show a couple times. What, what sort of prompted you to want to kind of take part in commentating these games? Well, I mean, even in, in my writings that I do for dash 28 for the website itself, I think of myself more as like the social aspect. Like I'm like the little social column over on the side, like hobbying's not my strong suit. I'm a half decent player, but I'm not out here winning GTs. I'm not out here like running top tables. But I want that engagement with the community and that social aspect is really, really important for me. Um, And then when we started doing commentary, I think it was more like I just wanted to help out, be involved, try it out, see how it went. And I have to say, like, coming into it, I was incredibly nervous for my first one because, like, I'm expecting to come in. And I think one of the first ones they had done was, like... There was like Alex Chavez and Dan Miner and Mike and everyone just sounded like so professional and so on it. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to have to say here that isn't just going to sound like a bunch of nonsense into the microphone? Like, how can I add anything to this stream? Um, And once I got in, it felt like I was nervous for the first little bit. And then I just kind of fit right into it. And that little bit of humor we had going um, and that stuff made it much more comfortable a setting. And once I had done it, I was just kind of hooked. And I was like, this is what I could do to be engaged with the community again. Um, I don't really have anything to write about right now. Um, I can't go to my GTs. I've never been a big hobbier. Um, and this was kind of my way to get back into doing something I loved with Kingdoms, Kings of War. And I, I really, really enjoyed it the whole time. I even 
Bridget said like he's watched like esports. I used to consume quite a bit of esports, and then now even now that we're done. Um, I'll put on Dash 28 live streams that we've done that I'm not in because I can't listen to my own voice. But I've just really enjoyed even just watching the content back. It's interesting on how like all uh, esports is just such this crazy thing, right? That it's like, you know, we all grew up. I know I grew up watching baseball or regular sports. And it's so interesting to see sort of these elements of sports broadcasting that transition into esports. You know, the idea of the the play by play guy. And, and the color guy, right, of having that dynamic and trying to build a, a panel of people giving commentary on a game that sort of can hit those different points on what they bring to the to to the channel. You know what I mean? Was, was that something, Mike, that you guys had thought about is in, in trying to build these streams is maybe having like in your head sort of, oh, this guy would be great for play by play. Oh, this this one's a really great personality. You know, he would be like a good or she would be like a good color guy was that kind of in your guys thinking when you were building these panels during call arms um, a little bit we we kind of came to that i think eventually first i would like to like to clarify we are about 800 subscribers short from youtube even considering sending us any money so like i'm definitely not making uh anything off of this second i always found esports super weird myself um and then i rem- i then one day i kind of realized like wait a minute people watch golf on tv like people watch bowling on TV. People watch freaking poker. People will watch other people play poker on TV. Um, watching people play video games doesn't seem that weird when you consider that. That, that like the, the thing that people like is is watching other people do things that they enjoy, and maybe those people are better at it than they are. So maybe they 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 can at least learn something, or or they can at least appreciate what it is they're they're doing. And I think once once that all kind of clicked for me. You know, a year or so ago, I was like, okay, watching watch other people play Dungeons and Dragons on the internet isn't all that weird. And and I think, um, you know, at first it was it was kind of one of the big open questions was was like, okay, I can do this. I think the the first video we did it was me, it was me and Alex Chavez and Jake Chirapika and Dan Miner. And I was like, okay, that's great. Will will anyone else actually want to do this? Um, like, how how many people will, will want to do this? Uh, and so I think at, at first it was a, how, how big does this team get? How much of, of like how, how many of these broadcasts can, can we have teams for? How, how much can we farm out? Like how much of call to arms can we capture round to round? And, and, and at first it was just sort of, uh, you know, okay, putting, putting games up on, on a schedule spreadsheet and begging people to sign up and hoping that we had enough people interested to cover the broadcast. Uh, and, and then things kind of snowballed, uh, and more and more people wanted to join. I think at this point we have more than 30 people in the in the contributors Facebook group, uh, which is which is amazing that that so many people wanted to, wanted to jump on. But yeah, like over over time, like uh, you know, I was I was willing to give everybody a shot. Like anybody that said, "Hey, I'd like to try one of these," I'm like, "Great! I have no way to judge whether you're going to be good at this or not. I have no idea. So put you on the camera. Let's see what happens. Feel feel free to sign up." And, and we'll see how you do. Uh, and, and then over time, kind of noticing like, okay, this person, you know, when they're doing, they're, they're doing this, like, this is their niche. This is the thing they do. Like Michael Percy will, will sit there quietly studying the battlefield. And then in a moment where, where when, when the dead air hits, he will point out a charge that no one else has seen yet. And we'll have something to talk about for three minutes, right? Like that's his thing. And like, he's the best at it. Right. Um, 
but you you can't have uh, a panel where it's three people who are just sitting there silently watching the battlefield until they see something super insightful, right? Like you have to have kind of a mix. Uh, and it also kind of goes back to like, what does the audience want to get out of this? Like everybody, everybody's kind of looking for a little bit of different flavor from it. You know, I've, I've heard some, some people say things uh, like uh, to, to other commentators, like I watch these, these streams basically just for you and for what you do on them, which, which I think is pretty cool and something to keep in mind that like what I have in my head of what a perfect stream is, doesn't, doesn't match the whole audience. Like I still don't have a 100% solid view of what everybody out in the audience wants to get out of it. So, so we've kind of arrived at this idea of like, when we're putting together a panel of, of three commentators, like you have, you have one person who's the host and then you have the three commentators with them. Like you want one person who's, who's really good at play by play, who can just like explain what they're doing and why you want one person who's really good at tactical analysis uh, so that, so that they can like study the table and notice things and comment on like how effective they think the, the player's various options are or what their priorities in a turn should be. And then you want one person who's, who's kind of there for color, like, like one person who will keep it light, who will keep it funny, who will, who, who will interact with the, the, the live audience uh, and, and, and just kind of make sure that, that the whole thing stays fun the whole way through. And if you get all three of those and, and the host does a good job, like prompting each of them at the right time to chime in, I think I think you get a nicer result where there's a little bit of everything for the whole audience to 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 appreciate while they're sitting there for the you know couple of three hours uh, watching us. I was gonna say sometimes I felt like my whole role sometimes was I just say something ridiculous on stream or be like that seems like a great idea just because it was the it would come off a little bit dumb and then everyone else got to sound smarter so I was there for that too. <laughs> I would say that, and then the the infamous fishbowl of wine, which has now become a, a thing, right? And thick chaff, thick, thick chaff, chaff came out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, I, when when I wrote up when when we started farming it out so that other people would host them, I was like, okay, I guess I should write up like instructions on how I think other people should should host them. Like my 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 number one thing to tell hosts is like no dead air, but you're not the one filling it, right? Like your job is to keep those other three people talking the whole time. It's not about you. It's, it's about them. Anytime they stop talking, you ask one of them a question. Even if it's a question you know the answer to, even if you know that, that it's a, it, it, like your, your position on it is, is wrong, like you're giving them an opportunity to explain to the audience, like, like yes, you, you, you obviously know the answer to this question because you've been playing this game for a long time, but some of our audience isn't, and, and someone needs to bring it back down and make sure that the commentators are explaining things on a level that's accessible to the whole audience. So like, make sure to ask obvious questions from time to time, you know, just, just to keep them talking, just to give them something to talk about, uh, to fill the time. And then it also seemed too like trying to get something for everyone, what you mentioned, that that was even evident in the games that you guys chose to stream. Like sometimes it seemed like it would be like the top matches, but some it would be like personalities in the community. Was that sort of going through your guys' mind too, Mike, when you guys were picking like what games to stream, trying to get a little bit, of, of everything for everyone? I think so, yeah, because, um, you know, one thing one thing you might notice is that uh, when you look at the titles of the different videos, uh, the titles are the, the two people who are playing, right? It's not, it's not who's commentating, it's not what armies they're playing or what scenario they're playing, it's, it's, um, it's about the two players, right? Like kind of, I think, uh, like, like Britain said, you know, making nerds into celebrities, making nerds into athletes, like it, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I think that was kind of part of the strategy of this whole thing as well is like one way to encourage people to let us stream their games was to kind of make kind of kind of try to make them the stars of the show. 
so yeah, certainly in like the, the middle rounds of call to arms, it was, you know, what matches do we think are interesting for, for one reason or another, right? Whether it's these guys are both super solid tacticians or these guys are both, uh, you know, doing very well in the tournament or these guys are seriously just a couple of characters and like they're going to wear costumes during their match or crazy stuff like that, right? Just to, just to give people that, that variety and give everybody some exposure to realize that like, yeah, this is a competitive tournament uh, and it's part of the competitive tournament scene and culture. Um, but some of the people that you look forward to seeing at, at these tournaments is is not going to be one of the top three players, right? It's 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 the guy who's the most fun to play against, uh, or or you know the, the guy that brings the, the wackiest list, or or right. Like so, we, we definitely felt like it was it, it was important to to highlight like different angles of the community instead of just like these are the hardcore tacticians who who are fighting for every point because they're trying to win this thing, right? Like, like you have to show the whole the whole breadth of the table. But but towards the towards the later rounds, we, we did kind of zoom in on just the top. I would say just because by, by then, like, you know, we wanted to make sure that uh, the last round had a very like playoff finals kind of feel to it. And that's a it's there's a couple of things. One one is Mike describes it. It sounds far more organized than I think it was, um, <laughs> which we'll, we'll all readily admit, you know, at the at the beginning, it was who can host at this time and what three idiots can we get to sign up? Right. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and what pairing did Tom Ennis suggest that he thought would be interesting? So we just went with it. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it was essentially like they would list the um, matchups for that call to arms round. And there would be, you know, a couple hours of Facebook activity in our group where people would say, this looks fun. This looks fun. Hey, this guy over here is playing a wacky list oh, over here. We have a weird match and Mike behind the scenes because he's a saint would throw all of those into a spreadsheet and start contacting a bunch of people behind the scenes, basically saying, you good to stream, you good to stream, what time? Throw that into a spreadsheet, and then there would be this gold rush of people signing up for all the games. And that's kind of how it worked. So, yeah, there was a, a perfect commentary style within some of our minds, but most of the time it was who signed up, get them on there, and hope for the best. <laughs> and yep. and it's fine because again it's it's a community thing but it's it's amazing how much coordination some folks had to do in the back just to get the sort of output we did and then the the second thing about matchups is that in an event like this you know the the early rounds when you think about how it is in an actual tournament compressed into two days you know the all of this happens so much faster we have so much more time and a call to arms two weeks per round to to sort of look at this stuff um, so we wanted to kind of use that time for an advantage, which is to say, in the early rounds, who are the fun personalities? Who are the fun armies? What are the interesting matchups? Because the standings don't matter that much yet. Someone someone being 2-0 and o round two or going into round three doesn't necessarily mean they're a potential tournament winner. Lots of people go 2-0 and o and then finish 2-4. and four. So you're finding cool people, fun matches, matches that work at the right times, people who are willing, you know, members of the community, anything like that. And then as the rounds get later, as Mike sort of said, you still want to feature some of those cool matchups, but you want to make sure that you are streaming the tournament winner. That the tournament winner's last game, so you get the top four or five tables, all the people in striking distance of jumping that leader. And you hope that whoever wins, you stream their sort of final game and maybe their round five as well. So you sort of zoom in on the top at the end, 
And when you look back, we have really good coverage of a lot of different players, a lot of different lists across, but you also have some of the same people showing up because their tournament journey brought them into the top. So in those final rounds, you know, you can watch multiple games from some of these people because of where they finished. I think also like just the organization of it too. Like we have to not forget that this was like an international tournament. So there was also like time zones that came into effect and we didn't, you don't want to just stream uh, North American games and trying to get the Brits and the European games and uh, the Australians all on. It meant like not only using commentators from different regions but also like we had some really funny start times too for my time zone so i think also playing with that it was a lot of finding who could do what at what time and that's a there's an important point there um which is there's three of us talking about it right now mike mike is definitely the brainchild on this uh i just helped out where i could ashley helped out where she could there's a whole host of other people who hosted games who deserve tons and tons of praise because we can't do this without the hosts and then stepped up and commentated across multiple time zones. The fact that so many people stepped up from either Australia or UK, West Coast, East Coast, et cetera, meant that like we could cover, I think in that final weekend, it was stupid the amount of games that got covered because it really was an international crew of volunteers streaming this stuff for the community. Yeah, no, that's a really great point to just bring up just how many people, you know, I wish I could get everyone who helped all on one podcast, but it just would be too many people. But you bring up a really good point, Britton, which is there was a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And sometimes that can be a bad thing. But for for Dash 28 Live, I think it was great to have so many people uh, who helped contribute. We're and still I, trying to we're still trying to get our version of uh, we are the world with all of the dash 28 video contributors uh, together. It, it hasn't happened yet. We're <laughs> we're facing some logistical challenges and some licensing rights issues. But sure, you know, <laughs> well, you had Ben rental from uh, direct misfire. So at least he can bring some of those musical abilities from they always have people who do their intros for their shows are always really good musically. So you have a good cavalcade of stars. Uh, just don't make Alex Coos sing anything because the song will be 18 minutes long. So <laughs> um, I wonder you guys have talked a little bit about it, and I wonder if the nature of Call to Arms being so long, like round one over a, you know, each round over a couple weeks, it, it almost sounds like a lot of Dash 28 sort of, as you guys were working and refining changes and stuff sort of formed like organically through the matches of how Dash 28 Live would work. I mean, do you think that's true? Had Dash 28 Live had to be just like one weekend? Do you, th- do you think like the nature of called arms sort of helped you guys sort of find find your stride organically as the tournament progressed? Uh, I definitely think so. Because, uh, I mean, like I said, it was, it was an experiment, right? Like the first game we did was uh, Chris Fisher versus Kyle Poole because we were like, let's start with people that we know uh, who are who are fairly local, you know, time zone wise to us, uh, and and see what happens. Like, see see if anyone like see see if we've thrown a party, uh, and and if anyone has shown up, right? Uh, and and then as it became apparent, like, oh, okay, people do want to watch this next round. Let's let's try to do two or three videos instead of one. Okay, everybody devoured those and keep and keep asking for more. All right, then let's let's add another let's add another couple broadcasts for the next round. Um, because at first, like, you know, it was, all right, well, we'll, we'll plan this out of, the, out of the chat thread where we talk about Dash 28 
articles. And, and then when it was clear that like, okay, this is the thing we're going to keep doing, I guess I should make a Facebook group uh, just to discuss this so we don't clutter up our chat with it. And then like, oh yeah, because now there's there's five or six people who aren't aren't uh, website contributors that want to do this as well. Sure, let's go ahead and add all those those folks in. So yeah, it, it just sort of grew and snowballed. Uh, and I think we we were always kind of looking for the um, you know where does this thing top out? I think I think we did eight broadcasts um, the round six the, the the first weekend of round six because uh, we. We, we wanted to do as, as many of the top 10 tables as possible. And I think all all the top eight tables all were planning on playing that weekend. And I was like, okay, well, this is, a, this is, our, this is our opportunity to capture all these games. Do we have enough people involved to, to cover that many matches? Um, all right, well, we have a host in you know every major time zone where there are players. So, uh, so long as I can manage to encourage the players to stagger their games enough so that like everybody's, you know, like no, no two hosts have to host, uh, you know, no, no host has to host two games back to back, right. Or, or more than one per day or something like that. Like we can, we can spread it out and utilize all, all 30 people and, and spread it all around. I don't know that I would try to do eight games in a weekend again. That was kind of a lot. We did have to prod some, some folks, uh, up, up to the last minute on some of them to make sure we had enough coverage. But yeah, no, like the, it's been, it's been pretty amazing watching it develop and it's just sort of been you know all right let's start with uh open sign up and let's see what happens uh, okay people people enjoyed it great let's 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 bring some more volunteers in because you know as as it rolled more people wanted to participate and uh let's let's ask folks for feedback and see if there's anything we should fix like uh i think patrick zora allen who does this sort of thing for a living had some had some uh, good suggestions about the graphics to do on the screen, and like putting a putting a turn counter someplace where it wouldn't cover people's faces and and uh, stuff like that. So like yeah, it was just it was it, it was definitely organic. It was just like a little bit at a time. Like okay, we're still doing this. People still want us to do this. People want to see more of this. So so let's try expanding it a little bit more, round over round. Um, yeah, and, and and if it had if it had been just one weekend tournament, like we would have done. I'm going to say a third round match on Saturday and then the top table, you know, last round on Sunday. And that's all we would have done. Um, and it would have been the same commentators probably both days. Um, and there would have been no changes between those two broadcasts because there would have been time. So, so I definitely yeah. think it, it being stretched out and staggered like that, like gave us time to figure out how we wanted to do it. Yeah. The, the reality is we did um, the first round. There was one game broadcast. Because we we didn't have our act together, shocker. Um, Mike Mike was like, "Hey, this thing's starting. Maybe we should broadcast it." And I actually didn't remember they even one snuck in in the first round. So good on him. Uh, we did two in the second round. It was like, okay, so we're we're ramping up, but still, that's only two games in that entire round. Five in the third round, um, and these might be off by one or two. I just counted them now. And then we hit our stride, and it was like we did nine in round four, eight in round five eight and round six and the eight and round six, like we said, were basically stacked into a weekend. So it was, it was an incredible effort. So yeah, the very much so the spread out nature of it allowed us to uh, learn, adapt, hit our stride and then start producing things. I think we're all really happy with. Um, I'm a little afraid to go back and like watch the first one now, but um, we, we definitely like the spread out nature gave us, it was like one event but it was, you know, basically five events worth of learning crammed into that one event because of the format of it. 
you know, and what I really like to see was, and I think it's a reason why people watch sports, right, is for the storytelling, for the narrative, for, like, the heroes and villains and, and storylines. And I know, like, in the one game, or the first game that I hosted, which sort of the the idea of Paige Neo as the Doctor Strange meme of, like, you know, looking at every possible future uh, was hilarious. And then, like, Ashley mentioned her thick chaff of, it was it was really cool to see these sort of jokes or themes or storylines sort of begin in Call to Arms, but then carry through like the whole season of games. Um, or just like Tom Robinson, just like beating up Canadians left, right, and center. I don't know what we ever did to him, but uh, didn't like <laughs> us very much. <laughs> yeah, but that's the that's the that's the cultural contribution, right? Like that's the that's the thing that that we all know and understand from having from having done it together. You've, you, you've got that, that shared mythology about players and you've got those shared jokes. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what, what community is all about, right? Like building a shared culture. Together. And that's the stuff that happens at a local level and in-person events, right? Like we've all been mm-hmm. to in-person events where everyone knows that one player and the list type they're going to bring and the jokes about it and someone else like you get all that in your local community and this is just expanding that same sort of level of awful humor to a global level um (laughs) so it's just it's part of making us all one big larger community which is awesome that we get to share the same bad inside jokes with folks from argentina and spain and the uk as we do with just folks from our local game store so Mm -hmm. So highlight-wise, Britain, was there anything? I know you did a lot of games, but was there any stuff that, like, looking back fondly that sticks out to you as, like, either a really great matchup or a game that went right down to the wire or, like, a funny joke or, or any sort of highlights for you on Call of Arms? Yeah, so uh, one is um, I, I really like, and part of the reason I don't watch some battle reports, and this is no slight against anyone in particular, uh, a lot of people are awesome, but... I generally like to watch the game played at a level higher than mine, or at least equal to mine. Um, I don't have a huge amount of interest in watching gameplay uh, that doesn't either have something at stake or good players or a really interesting matchup or army build. So um, getting to watch the sort of Tom Robinson final game and then the Tom Robinson versus Pat Allen exhibition game as well as sort of Tom's game against Tom Annis, Tom Robinson versus Tom Annis. Those uh, were just really good examples of really interesting games, high-level play where very small decisions had huge effects on the game. And there were three very different styles of game. Um, so I, I enjoyed those, the, the sort of final um, for Call to Arms, the exhibition match we did with Tom versus Pat, and then the the I think it was fifth round match between Tom and Tom. Um, the other thing I found really interesting was the Kyle Poole versus Lewis Sarah match, because it was a sort of very traditional scary undead hammer list against a very non-traditional goblin list, which was a fascinating match to watch with a lot of strange interactions and weird stuff and uh, minster mobs everywhere, and it was awesome. And then the final one I wanted to highlight is any of the games involving Ed Herzig's, uh, like all tree list. Um, oh, that's such a good list. So fun you, to watch. 
well, you look at it and you're like, this shouldn't work. And then he just pushes all forward kind of willy nilly. And you're like, look, it's totally not working. And then the other army bounces off of it and things happen. And it's just, it's a really good way to watch a simple seeming list with simple tactics. Um, actually get used by someone who is stuck with the same list and like you just see crazy stuff happen uh and those are really enjoyable to watch so those were some of my like when i looked back through some some quick highlights yeah the the tom off i thought was really a great game and we talked about it on that on on that stream right was sometimes you have in that round five you are you have sort of the game that will there's still another round to play, right? But this is like really a key game in deciding the scope of how the tournament will go. And, and I really felt that that was one of those games. Um, the the only reason that doesn't hit my sort of most recommended because I think it was it was an incredible game. It was very close at certain points. Um, there was incredible sort of micro use of of tactics from from the two sides and some really interesting gameplay. I just hate the two armies involved. <laughs> the like yeah. all revenant cab versus slave orcs and mortars and decimators are just filthy, filthy armies. So that's like, if you're a new player, don't watch that one. Watch all the rest and sort of become a little more jaded before you get to the Tom off. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some behind the scenes on that game. In that Tom Annis was like, I'm playing Basilians. I'm gonna bring it back. I'm going to show, you know, uh, it's like the, maybe, you know, it's like the hero that we need now. And then he sent me screenshots of UB and he was watching all the units that Tom Robinson was making because he knows Tom Robinson's screen name on UB and on UB when you make units. It shows who's made what. So Tom Annis had seen that Tom Robinson was making all these undead units on UB. <laughs> undead units, which he never ended up using, mind you. He was yeah. making like vampire Pegasus units and all this stuff. So then Tom was like, okay, I got to go. I got to go back to Abyssal Dwarves. But that just shows you the, the spy master and all like the, the, the head game that the, the Call to Arms format allowed you to do, right? Is the head game with your opponent. Yeah, and it's it's... I'm sure there's some people listening right now that are like tearing their hair out saying, Oh my gosh, that's horrible. You know, sportsman, but it's, it's mind games. It's double bluffing. It's like Tom knows he can see, uh, Tom Robinson knows what he's creating can be seen as, and is making a bunch of funny stuff to try and trick and get into the head of Tom Annis, who he knows is probably watching. It's the same sort of thing that would happen at GTs way back in the day where you would sort of, uh, show up and, put down all of your army on the side of the board, but maybe your big scary dragon was hidden behind something else. So like it's there, you're not actually trying to cheat or anything. You're just kind of trying to play mind games or you, you put the dragon down first in front of them, not set up, but in the middle of the table when you're setting your stuff up to kind of get in their head, it's, it's just fun little mind games. It's nothing. It's, serious. it's like sh- sh- some of it's showmanship too, right? Yeah. It's fun. It's all, it's all in good fun. Like none of it comes from any nefarious, origin no. you know what i mean but um but yeah th- those two armies make me sick in my mouth so uh i can't i can't fully recommend that game um but it is it is an awesome game in there yeah well what about you mike same question to britain was there anything sort of matchup wise uh personality wise that sort of stand out to you from called arms yeah i mean those those were all like like i think i think britain probably hit the highlights of of like some of the most solid uh, streams we did both uh, due to like who the commentators were and the job they did and the matchup itself. Um, 
there was a couple more that, that, that I wanted to throw out going all the way back to uh, one of the earlier rounds in early May. Um, we had Elliot Morris versus Shannon Shoemaker, which I thought was a really good game. Uh, and Dan King versus Jeff Trache, which uh, I think for a good long while was our most watched uh, battle because, you know, that's like number one UK versus number one Australia. Uh, and, and here we were just sort of Americans sitting in the middle, not, not understanding why, why the audience was so big for both of these guys. It turns out like, you know, both of their countries really, really wanted to see that match and really, really wanted to see who would win. So like, that was kind of cool just for a, like, this is like the third round of a tournament and we have, you know, the number ones from number one players in a couple of different countries squaring off against each other. That's fun. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, uh, suggest that people go back and check those out. Uh, and then the other one that I think is a highlight, um, isn't actually a call to arms match, um, but it was the preview of the new Magic Supplement material for Mantic Virtual Open Day. Um, I was I was really uh, happy and, and really honored that, that Mantic approached us and, and asked if we would like to stream a demo game of some new rules as part of their Virtual Open Day. Um, that was something that that, that like didn't didn't occur to me. Like, okay, so now we're not just like a battle report channel; we're almost like a news channel. That's kind of cool. We get a we get a scoop, you know, on uh, on new stuff coming out. We get a, a sneak preview. That that's nice, uh, and uh, you know, I feel like that that kind of helped put us on the map. Like that's still our most viewed uh, video by a good healthy margin, um, and it, and it kind of harkened back to with uh, with Dash Twenty Eight the, the website, um, like for a long time and possibly still. Like our our, our most viewed article was uh, something that Jake wrote. That Mantic reshared, um, and it and it kind of um, got us a lot of exposure to uh, an, an audience of people online that um, maybe weren't, weren't familiar with the website before. And I think uh, this was was kind of a similar thing that like uh, folks showing up to watch this as part of Mantic Virtual Open Day maybe had had never watched any of the battle reports before, or weren't playing in Call of Arms, or didn't know anything about it. So it was just kind of a nice. Uh, this is sort of like our, our our coming out party, like you know Mantic. Mantic gives us a little, uh, a little, a little uh, lift there early on to, to help get us out in front of more more people. Yeah, I think what you what you said about the uh, like having matchups like a Trace versus um, Robinson or even Paige, who you know flies under the radar, is that something inherent to to UB tournaments? Which is really nice, is that you get to see players from top players from regions that would never really play against each other play against so in some ways it's kind of like dream dream matchups you know if we had like a worldwide masters type events you get to see some of those matchups um online um well what about you ashley same question to you anything that kind of sticks in in your head that you really enjoyed from casting on called arms i mean now that the guys have listed like every game we've done to be a recommendation (laughs) um actually one of my favorites to stream was uh the Brindley Smith Matt Young game, back and I think it was round three. The infamous, the infamous uh, Brindley Smith. Yeah, I don't live with that opinion piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you maybe there is a rant at the end if if anyone wants to watch a rant. Um, but also it was funny because I I really loved having to stream Brindley's games since I live with him, and then there was this hilarious moments of like we'd be watching the game, and then all of a sudden I would hear him screaming in the living room at the computer. Um. It was great moments like that. Um, I think for me, that was just such a, like the infamous little things that came out of it, like the thick chaff streams and 
all these sorts of things that came up. And even just watching the last match, it felt a little sad doing the last matchup between uh, Mark Campbell and Tom Robinson, just being like, this is the last game of Call to Arms. Um, Not that it might be the last game we did. Like we did a Vanguard GT game the next weekend, but just like this huge, long, long process um, coming to an end after so many months of work um, was a great game to stream. And then also just like... I was a little nostalgic at that point. Um, but it was also a really good game to watch. Watching my country mate try and uh, take it for the win. And he's also my club mate. Um, couldn't quite get it there. But it was a really, really good game to watch. Um, Strategy-wise as well. Cool. Well, uh, you mentioned it there. And we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to the Dash 28 live gang about what they have planned for the future. So we will be right back. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. So now we've had a chance to kind of go over the so the origins of Dash 28, some of our favorite moments, moments from the Call to Arms tournament. But now I'm really curious to hear about sort of like what you guys have planned for the future. So Mike, have you guys talked a little bit about sort of post Call to Arms, where does Dash 28 Live go? Uh, we have we have like a Google Doc full of brainstormy type suggestions of different things we might do, uh, and, and and lots of folks have have thrown have thrown out suggestions that sound really fun, either as like one-off exhibitiony kind of matches or uh, little like mini events that we could organize. Um, but uh, I we we haven't necessarily nailed down precisely which which one we want to do. Yet, uh, Britain, Britain is a fan of, of one in particular, and I'll let him talk about that. Um, but for me, like, after we were done uh, with the last round of Call to Arms, then I knew, like, I had my tournament immediately after that. Then my tournament was done. Like, I think I'm going to take a week or two and just kind of chill and then then come back and take another look at it. Um, but we will definitely keep streaming stuff, probably not at the same pace we did during Call to Arms, but uh, there there will be more, fear not. Um, and I think I think Tom Annis actually said that there is a second call to arms planned for later this year. And of course, so so if if that happens, we will certainly cover that. Um, this is also where where I put in a shout out of like, hey, if you're planning on running an online event, an online GT, anything like that, and you would like us to cover one or two of your games, uh, get in touch with us and let us know. Uh, you can certainly find any of us on Facebook. Uh, you can email admin at dash28.org to get in touch with, with me. Uh, and we're happy to put something together to cover, like, you know, your last round top table match or, or something like that, you know, just to just to make sure it's not just our little private club, you know, running the games that we like and we think are interesting. You know, we still want to make sure we're engaging with the broader community and supporting what everybody's doing out there during this time. Yeah. So, so Britton, what sort of, like, uh, uh your vision or where would you like to see dash 28 go live go for me it's sort of it goes back to sort of how and why dash 28 was founded and how i got involved i wasn't there for the founding but from the sort of way that jake and mike and folks have talked about it it aligns a lot with my thinking which is um don't complain about something not existing just make it happen they felt there wasn't a great sort of community resource for kings of war so they made one um, and I've been lucky enough to contribute. So I take that same sort of thinking to broadcasting these games, which is 
what do I really wish was on, you know, next weekend? And since it doesn't exist, find a way to make it. And for me, that is essentially using Universal Battle and the streaming platform to show for a larger audience the types of matches that don't get to happen in real-world tournaments almost ever. So the way I wanted to set those up, either because of you know boundaries and times and and you know the global nature of the game. So what I wanted to set up was sort of uh, international challenges, which are uh, gamers from like well-known gamers from different countries who never really get to meet and play. Um, playing each other and the easiest way i could think of to do that is leverage the sort of robust network of clubs that already exist so i want to start setting up club challenge games and maybe eventually in the future club challenge tournaments um where you take a well-known club from you know either australia or the spanish players or um uk us wherever and you have them play in a sort of team battle style scenario, rules and scoring still being worked out. Um, and that gives us a chance to have the best players from US, you know, sort of go in with a bit of a, a rivalry and play, you know, some of the best players from Australia or the UK or Spain, Argentina, wherever. Um, and that to me is allowing us to create on Universal Battle during this sort of COVID nightmare games that don't get to exist without it um so trying to leverage that and and have fun with it so we're trying to get our first one set up now um details on that would be forthcoming but i think it could be something that could be really exciting for folks and and offer something different than just hey we're covering another tournament which are fun and are great but it's something different no, I think that's a great idea because often at tournaments, that's happening anyway, right? You're following what your club mates are doing. Some events have like awards for best club. So I think there's already like a familiarity with that concept within events or whatever. Yeah, and Crossroads. I, Crossroads is a team yeah. tournament. There's sort of other team tournaments around the world. There's the old sort of ETC format of team tournaments and stuff, but... Um, it's really just a chance. The club part of it for me is just that extra little bit of spicy motivation and a way for uh, other people to do the work where I can just contact a club and say, come up with this number of players to, to play the other side. And I'm not yeah. stuck doing all of the logistics, but we'll see. Always uh, that sort of competitive nature, be it from your region or you know from your uh, whatever and then you have some club events and then it's like no excuse you know of, as to so well so and so didn't even want to play in that tournament well now we're gonna let's get it decided let's get yeah. it on for reals for realsies it's just it for me it's a fun concept like i i loved professional wrestling as a kid i loved a lot of any any way we can add sort of drama and storylines to this stuff um i love and it's a chance to say Call to Arms was what I loved in Call to Arms is watching, you know, and Vanguard and Bug Eater, some of the international players. It it was great to watch people I will never probably get to play in real life. And even if I do find myself in an event with them sometime in the future because I was lucky enough to travel, the chances of watching them play another person of a high level at that it's just they don't happen. So let's just set it up. Let's just make some of these happen. And if people are into it, we can expand it and find a way to grow it. But for now, it's just let's get some club on club grudge matches and, and watch people from all over the world play great games of Kings of War. 
Cool. Yeah, no, is that a, a great idea? And then, like you said, you guys are open to if someone in in the community has a, an idea for a stream or if they have questions or whatever, Always, you guys are always open to people reaching out to you guys? Yeah, that was yeah. The, the sort of small second part was we are making content that we think we would enjoy, but we are also trying to make content that the community is into, and we know we have blind spots. So if you want to be involved, if you have an awesome idea and don't want to be involved and just hand it off to someone else, if you have an event, whatever it is, reach out. Don't be shy. You know, I just recorded an episode with Elliot and Pat, the two new RC members, and we talked a little bit about um, Call to Arms and Dash 28 and Dash 28 Live as sort of threads for us to hold on to in that we've lost so much of in-person gaming it's it's trying to as community people content creators how can we create environments to keep us together so that when we come through the other side of this we haven't you know lost everyone i mean i think wargaming cyclical and people come and go and stuff like that but i think i just want to say thanks to you for me as being someone hoping that when we do get through this because i choose to be optimistic and like to think about it's going to be a when and not an if that will come through the other side of this is is how do we create the the soil for relationships to continue during this process so that we can still have each other to game with on the other end so i just wanted to say thank you personally to you guys for for being such good proponents of that and and is that kind of just you know as we wrap up the show has that kind of gone into your heads a little bit as being sort of like in some way this is like a community service that we do to in creating these things so that we do have a community to come back to and when this crazy time is over i think initially i was like i need i feel like i i need something community focused organizing each to do to replace the fact that i'm not running a tournament and then as, as we started getting going, I was like, I, I hope that other people feel the same way that I do, that other people feel like they're missing something. And I hope that this will, this will help fill that for them because it's, it, it's kind of helping me personally. Like it's giving me something to do and something to look forward to and something to work on. Uh, so, so hopefully, you know, it, it does the same thing for other people as well. Uh, and, and then like it became apparent, like as people responded to it, um, both just in terms of watching it or wanting to have their game streamed or wanting to, to participate directly. I was like, okay, cool. So yeah, there, there are people who felt like they were missing something and this is doing a pretty good job at providing some of what they were missing. Britton, Ashley, any, any other final thoughts or looking back on the whole sort of experience, any, anything that jumps up to the surface? I think big, big thanks Art, go to Mike for putting together all the technical stuff. He explained a lot of it, but I think he, he deserves a lot of credit where credit's due. I don't think any of this would have happened without him and his tech skills and his determination to be that that something in the community. <laughs> what 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 bored workaholics can do, right? Yeah. I just was a workaholic instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank again all the people who stepped up and hosted and commentated. It It's awesome that there are, in a couple months, you know, uh, a ton of videos that and each one of them sort of filled with with four people all contributing um so a big thanks to the hosts they're the sort of unsung hero they have to do a bunch of behind the scenes wrangling and cat herding uh to get everything set up so the folks that aren't on that hosted big thanks to them including you jeremy you hosted some matches which is awesome um and yeah, then, it was it was super fun. I was uh, I was really happy to do it. Um, 
and I look forward to in the future also and signing then, uh, up. Yeah, uh, also, I, this just feels like a big, long special thanks section, but that's okay. <laughs> special thanks to the freaking peanut gallery of folks that would come on the YouTube comments and have their little party with their own sets of in-jokes and their own sort of interacting with the, the commentators and the hosts and the people playing the game and all of that. That was a lot of fun. I mean, oftentimes we're basically broadcasting to a cast of tens. People are vocal and interacting, and it makes especially some of those longer games uh, really enjoyable to feel like it's a live event and bringing sort of community together in this sort of potentially community-destroying time. And then the final one is thanks to everyone who let us actually stream their games. I know I am terrified of having people watch me play on the internet. Um, so the fact that people let us sort of stream and record and follow um, and pick apart their games and their decisions uh, it is an act of bravery that doesn't go unnoticed. So thanks to everyone who actually let us watch and broadcast their games. Oh, and, and I was going to say, and and just, you know, the folks who were who were willing to volunteer, um, the folks who were willing to let us uh, stream their games, the, you know, 10 to, 10 to 20 people that showed up to watch them live. Uh, but then, you know, you, also like the, the couple hundred people that have shown up to watch each individual video after the fact, um, you know, our, our audience now for the last 90 days, uh, we're up to 2.1 thousand unique viewers, uh, which is a lot of people. Uh, and they've watched a cumulative 5.2 thousand hours of Kings of War over the last 80 days, probably, uh, across the like, what, 30, 35 videos that we've made. Like that's, that's uh, like, I, uh, I thought, you know, a reasonable scenario for, for this thing is like um, maybe every week I'll stream a match and maybe I'll get one special guest commentator who wants to rotate in. And it's just me. And, you know, it's, it, it's like me and Alex and Jake and one special guest and we'll do one a week. Uh, and I was like, that seems like a perfectly reasonable expectation for me to have for this whole thing, for the duration of this tournament. And then that's all we'll do. Um, yeah. So, so, so the fact that like everybody's joined in, uh, like the, like the, the 30 plus people who have, who have offered to help the, you know, 60 something players that have, have offered to let us stream their games and the couple thousand people who have watched, like, I'm just, uh, I am, I, I am just floored at the community's response to this. Uh, and, and I'm just so humbled and delighted that, um, we were all able to put out something that people have found. Uh, entertaining and enjoyable you know like that's that's why you do it you do it because you hope somebody out there is going to watch it and 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 clearly like uh we've we put out something that that people enjoy so that's great you know it's been really great over the last uh, uh couple years and especially with like the dash 28 and now with the live stuff you know we do miniature wargaming right which there's a lot of content creators for in that space but not really many in kings of war you know we're like a niche of a niche right so it's been really great to see kind of like to be a pioneer and work with you guys as sort of be the pioneers of creating content specifically for kings of war and really using it as an opportunity to showcase just how great a game it is to other people who maybe haven't played it or or who only know about it in sort of an outside way it's been really exciting to see like the content side of kings of war really um continue to to become more robust and grow and grow so that's been one thing that's been really great i think 
Well, awesome. I want to thank, thank you guys again. Thank to Mike and Britton and Ashley. Remember, guys, if you're not already following, check out dash28.org uh, for all awesome articles, funny memes, tons of cool stuff. Check out the Dash 28 Live. Uh, if you haven't, go back, watch some of those videos. Stay tuned to that space, too, for uh, cool stuff uh, coming up in the future. Uh, remember, stay safe. And that'll do us for now. And remember, until next time, always keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.